The Creative Mornings Charlotte podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hello, Biscuit listeners, and welcome to a freshly baked edition of the Biscuit Podcast, celebrating Charlotte's creativity every week. I'm your host, Andy Go. Today's show is Creative Mornings Rewind, featuring hosts Tim Miner and Matt Olin, speaking with plastination expert Jamie Decker, following her May 3rd Creative Morning Charlotte event, where Jamie spoke about the global theme of preserve. In 2007, Jamie visited Discovery Place Science in Charlotte to see Body Worlds, created by Dr. Gunther von Hagens. Seen by more than 44 million people, Body Worlds is known as the most visited exhibition in the world. Jamie had an interest in anatomy ahead of the trip, but having the opportunity to experience an extensive exhibition showcasing plastinated human cadavers and specimens stirred something within her that she didn't know was there. Passion. This is what she wanted to do. In this episode of Creative Mornings Rewind, Jamie talks about how life experiences can inform scientific discovery, what people should know about their bodies, what she wants her legacy to be, and what part of the body she's going to plastinate next. Register for the next Creative Morning Charlotte event, Friday, June 3rd at 8.30 a.m. at Discovery Place Science in Uptown. The featured speaker will be local artist, educator, and entrepreneur Rebecca Henderson, speaking about the global theme of wonder. RSVPs will open at 9 a.m. Monday, June 3rd. Hey, welcome everybody. This is Tim Miner with the Creative Mornings Rewind segment of the Biscuit Podcast. We are here today speaking with Jamie Decker, who addressed the Creative Mornings crowd on May the 3rd on the global topic of preserve. Really looking forward to diving into the conversation today. Yeah, and this is Matt Olin, uh, co-host of the Biscuit Podcast. And uh, Jamie, first of all, let me just say thank you for taking the Creative Mornings stage uh, last week. It was uh, an honor and a joy to have you there to hear your story. Um, And and just for those who haven't seen the video yet, the video will be released uh, in the next couple of weeks here. So definitely watch that video either before or after you listen to this podcast because it serves up a, a more complete meal. But for those who are, who are listening to the podcast first, tell them a little bit about uh, who you are, what experience anatomy is, and what plast- plastination is. Plastination, you got it right. A lot of people like to mess up that word, so thank you for... Getting it down. I've been I've been practicing for for weeks to make <laughs> you, sure you've had I got some that time. Right. <laughs> well, thank you guys for having me. First of all, of course, oh, not only here but in Creative Mornings as well. Um, my background is in funeral services, so I started off in preserving the traditional way with embalming, but was interested in a more modern approach, which is plastination. So I got involved with that after seeing a Body Worlds exhibition at Discovery Place. Which is where we're sitting right now. We chose to record this podcast in Discovery Place Science because this is where you, a, a, a great part of your story begins a right here. huge part of it. Not only seeing Body Worlds, but growing up visiting the museum, then working with Discovery Place when Body Worlds revisited, and now my company, Experience Anatomy, which provides plastinated specimens for teaching and training, 
has partnered with Discovery Place. Yeah. So it's come full circle. It really has, and it's interesting. I'll just say that, you know, Discovery Place, this building that we're sitting in right now, it also played a, a, a big role in, just in my own childhood, having grown up in, in Charlotte. I have great memories, preserved memories yeah. of being here. I mean, back there, they were trying to tell us that the world was flat, but it's okay. It's, it's, uh, I'm not going to let, let you run. They've updated. Okay. Yes. Down like that. <laughs> no, that was, that was me on me. But so, so, um, I just think it's, for me, it's very meaningful to be back here, um, speaking with you in a building at an organization that's so meaningful to your, um, your own journey as well. I always love to blow Matt's mind with this. So did you, you do or do not know? that I was a volunteer at Discovery Place in high school. I did not know that. I did not know that. Absolutely. So I actually, I had, when I moved to Charlotte as a freshman in high school, I was trying to like figure out, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have anything to do. I didn't have anything to do. Um, My mom and dad would drive me down to do my shifts as a volunteer here. At Discovery Place. At Discovery Place, I was a volunteer at Discovery Place Nature when I was like 14. We want to start out with a quick lightning round. Most podcasts put their lightning round at the end if they have one at all, but we want to get the synapses firing. All it's right. been a couple of days since we were together at yeah, Romare Bearden yeah. Park, so we want to wake you back up again. Let's right. do it. So short answers, whatever comes comes first to the brain, and uh, I will start with this. Jamie Decker, what is your favorite body part to plastinate? Oh, that's a really good question. Favorite body part, to, well... That's a convoluted answer because plastination is a process. Mm. So it depends on which process. Let's see when when it's. How about we change the question to, what's your favorite plastinated uh, body part or oh. organ to show? I to exhibit? probably probably the brain. Yeah. Because I think everybody is wowed yeah. when they hold a human brain. It was a singular experience. Yeah, well, the first time we met with you at Rhino Market <laughs> yeah. on, on on Moorhead Street. <laughs> We walked in and there you were sitting there with a brain on the table. And I think a you had stomach. Some, and a, a stomach. stomach. There was a stomach. Yeah. Maybe and, a heart. And uh, we, so we sitting there with our, with our butter coffee. Mm-hmm. I might have had a, I don't know, a breakfast sandwich. And, a, yep. and we were ch- I, passing this brain around. I recall you having a sandwich. I don't recall you eating it after we said The brain down. was way heavier than I was anticipating. Is that yeah. what most people are wowed by? A lot of people are wowed by the weight, the size. I think, too, like the simplicity. Like you mm. see it and you're like, oh, that's. Wow, that's it? Yeah. Compact. But then you're like, but it's insanely complex, but this is it. And it like makes your own brain think about what's happening. Yeah. I think I was most fascinated by, and, and of course I'm going to sound extremely intelligent by saying the parts in the back, but I mean the the aspects of the brain, you know, kind of at the base of the, yeah. of the, the cerebellum. Uh, or at the top of the brain and the stuff. Brain yeah, and stem. how small they are and thinking that had, that little piece has a very huge impact huge on how impact. I live my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So what in the same vein, what's your favorite reaction you've gotten to your work? Like, do you have any anecdotes about as you've as you've exhibited your work reactions people have had to it? I think like the first thing that pops in my head is people just don't believe me usually. Mm. Well, they think you made you just you feel- like they just don't believe it. They're like, they're not real. And then I'm like, no, they are. And they're like, but you do it. Um, Yes, and it's like that whole. They have to get over this hump, I yes. think, before they this can actually dive in. Yeah, the all. disbelief. Mm-hmm. I, that was, you know, and you brought that up in your talk too about how these are. We all carry these these pieces around with us all mm-hmm. the time. We just never see them, and so the opportunity to actually 
interact with it, people have no frame of reference. Yep. Like they just don't. It's too unreal. Yep, exactly. So two more questions in the lightning round. And I'm going to stick with the body parts, okay? So what is the next item you want to add to your growing collection of plastinated anatomy parts? Hopefully this isn't PG, but a penis is definitely coming. An entire male that pelvis. Is a medical, that, that let is me just a rewind. Term. It is a medical term. Rewind the phrase that was just said there. <laughs> I'm not going to rewind that phrase. Um, okay, so a penis is, is is arriving. It's it's on its way. Well, yeah, because we have an entire internal, external female reproductive tract. Yeah. But I don't have male genitalia besides a single testicle, which we've talked about many times. And yeah. poor lonely testicle needs lonely. a friend. It does. So you said the, the, the penis is, is it literally like on the way? This has been ordered. <laughs> it's it's in the works. Do you want to see a picture? I would love... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's in my office right now. I, it's, I have it in my oh, office. Oh, you have it. Yeah. I, yes, it's not I guess my, I would like to see a picture a, of a plastic. I've got a penis. loner one in my I, office. Not lo, the, you have a loner, <laughs> pe- a yeah. loner penis. Yeah. Don't oh, so, that and, and so will it be um, by itself or attached to the entire? The full por- pelvis. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the full pelvis complete with the plastinated penis. Yeah. Yes. So Can we... In- Include a photo of this on the with the podcast. Is that I don't know. Maybe, sure, should that I, be blurred out? I'm not exactly. I would sure. love to do that in the we Bible Belt. Rules. I think if you're going to put that up, that picture up there, you have to put it up there raw. You, you know? you, yeah, man. Man. yeah man. absolutely raw, Andy. Absolutely. No, but but I, I would imagine we can get into this later. I mean, this is kidding. this is important in regard to the nature of of Jamie's work because you are trying to demystify things that either through morality or, or false modesty or just ignorance, we don't talk about that are really important. So it's that organ has existed for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. And yet we act like it just arrived and it can't be talked about. And, and so I, I think that's part of what, what that's you're doing, a good point. Right? Yeah. Without it, we would not exist. Right, right. So it's a pretty important body part. And I have two little boys myself. And that's what you were talking about. Using the correct terms is really important to me, too. My husband thinks I'm a little weird, but I think it's important. I mean, you talk it comes to kids, out OK in the end. Well, we say, OK, where are your eyes? And they point out their eyes and where's your tongue? And they stick out your tongue and they think it's cute. But you never go. And where's your penis? Mm-hmm. And think it's cute when a little boy points at their penis. But why? Yeah. What is that teaching us about our, right. you know, right. our sexuality right. and our own body parts that we don't talk about that. We don't touch that. You don't look at that. I'll let you, you figure know? that one out on your own yeah. and then be We're upset when you come you. home with a teenage baby. Right. Exactly. Coming soon to experience anatomy, a so, plastinated penis. It's, the, it's, yes. it's, it's a whole new new world coming this yes. way. So the very last question, and then we're going to move on, is when you were training in Germany, what's the favorite German, your favorite German expression or exasperated expression that you learned? Oh, gosh. That's a tough one. Um, German expression. You know what's interesting is they just say, yeah, after everything. <laughs> doesn't matter what you're talking about. And I would come home after being there for months and I'd be like, hey, you want to go to the bar? Yeah. And people are like, what? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Get, so it's kind of like, yeah, a. yeah. And so, it's, it's the, the German version of a. But you learn how to interpret what different inflections of ya mean. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's a very versatile <laughs> word. So let's shift into a, a handful of deeper questions here. Um, Jamie, you, you know, this process of plastination, this, this is a a science that only a handful of people on earth truly uh, understand. What does that uh, responsibility feel like for you? 
It's pretty interesting. The patents are released so anybody can do it. And it's not that complex of a process. And so for me, I think that too should be more accessible because you can use it to preserve food and animals and all kinds of things that you lose in the world through the process of decomposition. Mm. So I think that the process of plastination itself needs to be utilized more often because anybody can do it. What do you think is holding it? I mean, and again, it might be that it's more prevalent than we know. But if it's not, what do you think is holding it back? It's kind of expensive if you do it a certain way. I mean, there's plenty of people who have basement labs that do it on the cheap. Like you can literally get like a golf cart motor and some steel tanks and do it yourself. Mm. But that getting sounds like a happy little weekend right yeah, there. Yeah, getting the chemicals, acetone is pretty volatile, so you have to have explosion proof equipment. So I think it's mostly that. Yeah, the actual setup. The yeah. process itself is pretty hands-off, so yeah. once you do it, it's... It's not the sort of thing itself. you're going to find in most people's, you know, bonus room over, well, over their garage or something. Probably you know? not. Yeah. I have also had the experience of, of having to use the, the eyewash equipment <laughs> in a lab because <laughs> my lab partner <laughs> flicked acetone into my eye in high school. Thanks, lab partner. Thank you, Charlotte Catholic High School, for that little <laughs> educational experience. The, it does work, though. Okay, good. Good to know. Um... So one thing that we were captivated by in prepping and getting ready for your talk um, was, you know, you had a very unique and very personal journey through education where you didn't take the established route because it didn't work for you. Um, how, how has that informed your work, at, you know, in education? Because you're an educator now. So how has your life experience changed or, or um, founded the way you approach things? It's interesting because it's actually something I heard today where someone I was talking to had a similar experience where they dabbled in a lot of different things. And they said, I plant a lot of seeds, maybe only 5% germinate, but I plant a lot of seeds. So the more seeds you plant, I mean, it's just a numbers game. Mm. And I think that's sort of the same approach to me for education is like, don't just pick one thing and hope it works. And then when it doesn't get really disappointed. Like dabble in a lot of things, meet a lot of people, learn a bunch of skills, because either way you're going to get an education one way or another. You're going to pay for it one way or another. Mm. So the more you do, the more you get exposed to, the more well-rounded you're going to be. Yeah. And so that's something that I've always tried to pass along to my students, especially they come in with a specific pathway they think they're going to go down. And all they do is get exposure to one simple thing and one lecture that they hear. And now all of a sudden they've changed their career. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, think about how much quicker you could come to that decision if you allowed yourself to be exposed to more, more frequently. Right. You know what I mean? I I think it's important too, because people get locked into one thing. And then if the science changes or the business climate changes or just human interest changes, Mm -hmm. you're kind of, you've put yourself in a, in a cul-de-sac. Yeah. You get stuck. And, um, you know, the more, you know, the more you can shift and stick and move and and adjust. Mm -hmm. That's great. So, Jamie, you went out there uh, on a journey of your, your own. You experienced a lot of different things. You, you found um, your passion and the, you know, got the training related to that passion. And then after all of that, you, you came back. You returned to Charlotte as a scientist and as an entrepreneur. Um, and so I'm just curious, what does that feel like uh, after growing up here? And, and how has Charlotte changed in, in your eyes? It's so different. So I grew up more so in Mint Hill and came to Charlotte often and thought Charlotte was super boring 
younger. I mean, it was kind of a bank town, right? So there wasn't mm-hmm. that much going on. And the more that I've injected myself into the community, the more I realize how much of a small knit community it is. And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's the same kind of thing. Like get out there and talk to people. Like I've experienced that traveling. You go to a different town and you like check out everything out, but you don't do it in your own city. Right. So I'm trying to be a tourist here in Charlotte and like get more involved. And the more things I do, the more I realize how connected it is, especially like even with you guys yeah. finding different connections that I had no idea were there and really just creating this web. And Charlotte's got an amazing web of people. Yeah. I, and I, I would imagine one of the things you're referencing is is your relationship with, with Nikki. Yeah. Who's weird. one of our core volunteers and yeah. a good friend. And yeah. Uh, you know, you, you bring up such a great point because Charlotte, even socio, you know, socioeconomically and even geographically has been designed over time to be a place that people don't explore. They stay in their mm-hmm. little, you know, Your little neighborhood. and I think that leads to everything ranging from thinking it's a boring town where nothing's going on, which is obviously what we're trying to combat with mm-hmm. Charlotte is creative, but also that you just are blind to other people's perspectives. And so that web, you're right. It's, it's much tighter than people think. If you just mm-hmm. move outside your comfort zone and speak to people and really look at them, you end up finding out you've got ten, you know, so many, you could have 12 people in common so that you're tied to. Yeah. And, and once we know that, you know, it's almost like you're talking about, you got to get to know more about your body. <clears throat> we also have to get to know more about the body of Charlotte. It's all connected. We all work together. And, and when one part's hurting, Oh my gosh, the yeah. Parts, the whole organism is hurting. That's a really good analogy because when you think about the inner connectedness of the body, it's just a machine. It's just a system. Mm. Just like a city's a system, a car's a system, a home's a system. I never thought about a city that way. Yeah. Thanks for the analogy, seriously. Thank you, Tim. Because that is a really interesting way to think about it. Welcome. Well, that's what we talked about. We, so va- we, va- we vacillate from making ridiculous comments to trying to yeah. illuminate the human condition. Yeah. Well, it's funny. We're, we're sitting here in Discovery Place, and I'm across the street. I'm looking at the li- the main library, where About Face Charlotte's uh, exhibition um, of all the the different headshots of children in Charlotte is is up on the walls there. And it's like those are all parts of the system as well. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it really it, when you start to think about it as as a full body with lots and lots of parts that that make it up. Um, it does allow sort of a new way in with mm-hmm. compassion mm-hmm. and other ways of sort of approaching the problems that we're facing as a as a community. Yeah, that's a good. I mean, I wish that it will actually try to put up a picture of what we're looking at right now with this podcast, because, we, you know, the, the about while well, we are looking at Andy Go and you're a beautiful man. <laughs> um, but across from Supple the, the street from Discovery Place <laughs> is that about face installation in the and I, their whole point is that we don't stop and just even look at people we kind of i think we we see a lot of things but we don't actually take the time to look mm-hmm. at it and um you know I, that's everything from sociology to, to physical science like, like you're involved yeah in pay attention to what you pay attention to yeah what are you not paying attention to i've been trying to practice that more lately <laughs> nice well, that actually feeds really nicely into the next question, which is um, related to your work. What what are some things you think that more people need to know about their bodies, and how has how's that worked its way into into what you do, into how you know how you educate? That is a huge part of what I do, and I think it's sort of an undertone of what I do because it's not like what we promote necessarily all the time, but. 
I think that healthcare and education would change completely if we all knew about our bodies more. Mm. And I can, I mean, I can give you several examples of one that really pops in my head is that my husband's a firefighter here in Charlotte and like 95 of their calls, percent of their calls are medical. Mm-hmm. And so many of that, it, those calls are simply because someone didn't understand what was going on in their body and they freaked out. Right. You know, they're like, oh, I have a stomach ache. I don't know what to do. Doctor's not open. I'm going to call 911. Right. That is not what that resource is for. Mm-hmm. You know, so some simple education about your body can help with even things like emergency services and how they're run. Right. Or you have a sibling or parent or someone who's going through an illness and you don't know how to talk about it. Learning a little bit of medical terminology so that you can speak to your doctor appropriately will alleviate so much stress, I think, and aftercare, rehabilitation. And it literally just goes back to like understanding how the system works. If you're going to drive a car and be responsible for it, you probably ought to know that you have to change the oil and put gasoline in it, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, your car is going to break down. But why don't we treat our body the same way? Yeah. You know and, what I mean? And I can imagine too, with what you do, actually <laughs> showing people this is what your stomach looks like. This is yeah. what your this is right. what your muscles look like. Really helps on things like you know, I've I've had to discipline myself from not doing uh late night web MDing because, you know, I, I, by after twenty minutes I'll be convinced that I have cancer. Well it's oh, always yeah. the answer is uh, always cancer. It, yeah. it, 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 it all leads to one splash page. Cancer. <laughs> but I mean having I don't want to make light of that, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it comes from ignorance. Something's mm. going on. I don't know what it is. Wait, let me turn to the inter- the internet. And that's, that's no substitute for having some really good working knowledge of how, mm-hmm. it, how the system functions. Well, this is one of the things we spoke about with you the first time we met was you had shared this idea that we, you know, <clears throat> if, if it's true that we all have a spleen in our body, but none of us know what that spleen looks like or feels like or how big it is or much less what the function is, (laughs) there's a certain reverence and respect that comes with actually holding it and saying, oh, it's not just a word. It's not just a a, a fact that I learned in school. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is an actual spleen. This is is what it looks like. I'm holding it. And it's, I have one in my body and that somehow dials up my own responsibility to maintain (laughs) health for, for myself. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something people walk away from the Body World's exhibits thinking is like, how do I treat myself a little bit better? Yeah, yeah. You know? I thought that, <laughs> and then I think I still went to Bojangles that day. <laughs> right. <laughs> right now, I want Bojangles. I want Bojangles. I know we're both going to get it later on today. So, a um, couple final questions, Jamie. Um, you know, you're you're still early in your career, which is so exciting, right? Because you're you're building experience anatomy. You're you're growing your collection. You are you have so much road ahead of you, and and that means so much impact to be made, which is which is exciting. So this this may be a premature uh, question, but it's also your answer can evolve over time. But right now, what do you think you want your legacy to be, if you were to articulate it? Like me personally, or with my company, or yeah, either yeah, either or. Yeah. Um, experience anatomy. I hope will become a multi-unit thing so it's in every city not just charlotte or major areas of the country so that this type of education can be available to everybody but me personally it's kind of a contradiction to what i actually want because i would like to be more sustainable and build my own home and have my own garden and Mm. stay home with my kids and not work all the time Mm -hmm. um because it's like again it's contradiction to taking care of yourself 
So like I preach taking care of your body and knowing about your body, but then I work late and eat crap because I'm busy. And then I'm like, this isn't the way it's supposed to be done. So for me, the whole goal is getting back to like taking care of what you can take care of because if everybody was doing that, the world would be better. So taking it back down to like super, super micro, what can I do every day to make me and my kids and my space that I own better and then pass that to other people Mm -hmm. so they can do the same thing. Yeah. I'd like to ask a kind of a more of a logistical or technical follow-up question to this actually Uh that just occurred to me. So I'm going a little rogue here for a second, but this idea of scaling experience anatomy would, I think it seems like it, it stands to reason that it would necessitate more resources, more, um, body parts, more, uh, specimens is yeah. that what, we, what mm-hmm. you call them mm-hmm. so um it makes me wonder like how readily available are they i mean when, is it hard to get your hands on a, a a body part um or or is it you just need to know how to access them you know or do people know that this is something they can do when they pass away they can say i want to donate my body to a, a, a body worlds or to experience anatomy some do and some don't so i have established a separate company outside of experience anatomy for body donation specifically that'll happen in charlotte um people usually get confused between the difference between organ donation and body donation mm. so it's another educational area that people aren't really aware of if you're in the world of it there's plenty of them i mean people die every day yeah. it's a huge resource of people but getting people to understand why it's important to donate and what happens when you donate is a different story. I imagine it's a, it's a tough one too, because that's, it's the nexus point between, you know, kind of love and religion and and morals. Like I have, I've had the conversation with my um, family numerous times over the years that I, I want my body donated to science and the, there's a stigma, right? The very first thing is said is, do you know what medical students do with bodies? Yeah, And I'm like, I won't be there. Like, I don't care. I'm regardless of what, I I mean, you know, there's, there's a whole story, (laughs) you know, there's always, that's the thing. They, someone always goes, do you know what they do? And I'm like, I don't know. What do they do? And like, Things. I don't know. Like, oh, yeah, they do there's things. There's a huge stigma. Maybe, the, maybe yeah. they learn how the human body works. Because, I mean, to me, it just doesn't make sense that you can, I, it just doesn't seem that 3D modeling is any kind of a substitute it's not. for dealing with it. And, but there is this stigma, right? I mean, I've, it's a multi year conversation that I've had saying, regardless of whether you think life's over at death or you go someplace else, I'm not home. It's just my husk that's left over. And I would love for that to be, used by someone who could learn to then save lives mm-hmm. with with my body but there, i mean it's it's a it's in the top five you know most shocking and difficult things apparently i've ever said it is and i think that's again back to education that we're a death denying community we don't like to talk about it we don't like to see it as soon as a family member dies what do you do you call a funeral home to come take care of it for you you no longer want to take care of that family member Right. Whereas a hundred years ago, families took care of their own bodies and did their own burials, and mm-hmm. it was like a respectful tradition. Mm-hmm. And now you call somebody to come take them away because you don't know what to do with it, you know. So I think educating people—it's about exposure. Come look at it. Mm-hmm. Come touch it. Come be around it. Don't be afraid of it. Like embrace what it is, and then mm-hmm. do something about it. Right. You know. I, this I'm calling an audible too. Um, and this is really more, less of a question, more um, just a comment. But I, one thing that I was really struck by, not only in working with you to prepare for this, but in this and in this conversation, but during your talk was that you have a wonderful way of 
articulating um, scientific realities and truths um, and communicating kind of difficult things that a lot of people say they don't understand and adding humor into it. And I, I, I think that's holding medical science and education back too, because people yeah. will go to the doctor, they get, it's almost like when you go to a bank and the bank throws all these terms at you and you're like, I don't understand anything you mm -hmm. said. And, and they put a block up. Right. And I think we've got a medical crisis in, in North America right now where people go and their doctor tells them things and they don't understand. Mm -hmm. And, and because of the way uh, health insurance works now. You can't stay there and ask a lot of questions because yep. that has ramifications on how much it's going to cost. Yep. And as a society, we're going to we're going to need a lot more Jamie Deckers who are able to take something that's complicated and and that requires real education to understand and and convey it in a way that that the average person can wrap their mind around. That's my favorite part of teaching. Mm. Well, you're good at it. I like teaching like new people, like your first experience. Like people have asked me all the time, like, why didn't you become a doctor? Why didn't you go to med school? I'm like, because I'm not interested in it, mm -hmm. just like anything else. But like taking someone with no knowledge and getting them to the point where they can understand, that's the magic of learning and education, that first step. And then once you know how to learn, you can go do it yourself, yeah. you know? Yeah, great point. So we always ask our podcast guests this final question. So we will pose it to you as well. All right. Jamie Decker, what advice do you have for Charlotte? Oh boy. That's a heavy question. Yeah, man. <laughs> Super heavy. Charlotte as a whole, what advice do I have for Charlotte? Um, go outside and meet somebody, mm -hmm. whether it's your neighbor or the person in the office next to you or the person who served you your breakfast this morning and actually talk to them. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier. Yeah. Paying attention to what's around you. How many of you actually know your neighbors? It's an unfortunate thing. Well, <clears throat> I love it. I think um, that's perfect advice. It's very aligned with with what we believe here at Charlotte is Creative. And so, yes, it's a beautiful I give that a way to big old it, yes. It is a beautiful way to end this podcast. Yeah. So. so again, if you haven't watched the video of Jamie Decker's talk that she did on my, uh, May third uh, on the global theme of preserve. Please do watch that. Jamie Decker, it is so awesome that you're in Charlotte serving us in this way, growing your business and calling Charlotte home. So um, Thank let's keep you. getting into some creative trouble together because Absolutely. the work you do is supremely creative work. It really, truly is. Thank you, And guys. don't forget, you are part of the of the Creative Mornings family now. So I love it. June 7th. I'll be it's there. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming for you. <laughs> Thank you so much. We'll coming in hot Thank like a plastinated penis. Bye, guys. <laughs> Knowing when to end a podcast is a delicate art, people. <laughs>Thanks again to Jamie Decker for speaking with us, and thank you, the listener, for tuning in to The Biscuit Podcast. Make sure to follow Creative Mornings on Instagram and Twitter at CM underscore CLT. And hey, when you're done listening to this episode, give us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. It helps us get discovered by other creative charlatans. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the Biscuit newsletter for free on biscuitclt.com. Don't forget to register for the next Creative Morning Charlotte event, Friday, June 3rd at 8.30 a.m. at Discovery Place Science in Uptown. The featured speaker will be local artist, educator, and entrepreneur Rebecca Henderson speaking about the global theme of wonder. 
RSVPs will open at 9 a.m. Monday, June 3rd. The Biscuit Podcast is produced by Tim Miner, Matt Olin, and Andy Goh. Music by Harvey Cummings. <laughs>